2: Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
0: So you don't
3: shine the devil with your rock and roll, Lord. Knows that country music's
4: gonna
1: save your soul, the- Welcome back to the speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolty. I'm Souther Teague. And Greg, Greg's out of town, right? Oh, no, no, no Greg today. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. He's uh, missing that guy's voice. I don't know where he's at, yeah. man. He's always doing something. Well, you know, he's probably out drinking margarita, given the fact that today is National Margarita Day. Did you know that, Souther? Well,
3: I didn't know that. But uh, is he out drinking a margarita or is he being a good uh, a Catholic and celebrating Lent <laughs> and maybe giving up? Uh, uh, cocktails because yesterday
1: was you know mardi gras that yeah. tuesday who knows yeah i mean you never know what that kid kids these days am yeah. i right He's all over. um <laughs> but you know <laughs> He's the, all over
3: the bed but i think it's like
1: all these holidays are just starting to like kind of come back on my radar uh you know in this this era of covid that we're in um mm-hmm. i don't i don't like it when people say post covid uh because it's clearly it not our, over uh and it won't be uh for a long time i'm sure yeah. but uh but the thing is, like, I'm glad that people are observing these uh, these fun little holidays. And, you know, National Margarita Day has always kind of perplexed me being, you know, in, deep into February. Um, I don't really think of it as a, a winter sipper, but maybe it's the, uh, the counterpoint that they're trying to push by uh, sure. bringing some sunshine into the, the winter. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But also, Mardi Gras, uh, you know, like – it kind of sneaks up on me every year, uh, even though that's something that has is, is been kind of like always celebrated. It's, you know, uh, it's a very historic occasion. Um, but, uh, you know, like it, even though it's like always on on my mind, it always sneaks up on me. I don't really like, I don't mark it in my calendar or I don't have an alert for it or whatever, you know, it just like it kind of sneaks up on me. and I'm like, oh shit, we got to make some hurricanes real quick, you know, or, or whatever. Or like I end up making a Sazerac just to like observe the holiday so I uh, definitely did that. I had a couple of Sazeracs yesterday. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I haven't given up anything. So uh, don't even I ask. Mean-
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you gave up on giving up. How yeah, about that? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, just got to do that for 40 days and you'll be Try here. to quit. Like, yeah, quit I, <laughs> yeah, I, I got, um, I was fortunate enough to get one of the few and coveted seats at the first annual, the inaugural beef steak dinner at Gage and Tolmer last mm-hmm. night hosted by uh, the venerable Dave Wondrich and uh, the sort of beer counterpart being uh, Garrett Oliver from uh, Brooklyn Brewing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, these things are, have a storied history themselves, you know, um, their initial design was to be a, a place to, typically it was for politics, you know, raising money for your, for your candidate or what have you, but then you know, charities got involved. So you do a beefsteak dinner, raise money for charities, et cetera. But the gist is um everyone gets an apron when you you arrive. So you're wearing this you know, kind of goofy white apron. Uh, You get these little paper hats like you wear, you know, like they would wear it like car hops or whatever. Uh, Kind of very similar to the paper hat I had to wear when I worked at the Waffle House.
1: Yeah, like a Uh, Garrison cap.
3: Kind of. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's called. You're right. Uh, And then uh, then all of the food, which is, as the name implies, a beefsteak dinner is mostly meat. Uh, You don't get any cutlery. You just eat with your hands. Yeah. Um, And it's just a real camaraderie time and Uh, So we were drinking George Dickel and uh, Brooklyn beers and each table, there were seven tables. I believe each table had to get up and give a toast. And each table was to elect the toastmaster from their table. Uh, And of course I got elected, surely based on my glasses. Somebody at the (laughs) table, I didn't know these, I didn't know these people at all, except for my friend who I brought with me, I brought Todd. Um, uh, But uh, they were like the guy with the glasses, he's going up. So I had to go up. But of course I was at table two, who was at table one and of course got elected to go up was Philip Duff, oh, man no. with more <laughs> more gab and more toast in him than any person I know, so I had to follow the toughest act. Yeah, uh, but I, but I held I held my own, and I did raise uh, uh, the final uh, bit of my toast was to uh, to Mardi Gras. To, so I, I, I finished up with laissez le bon temps rouler, which of course means let the good times roll.
1: Nice, very cool, man. Yeah. And uh, for those of you unfamiliar with Philip Duff, you can look back through our archives of 500 episodes and find uh, at right. least a couple of uh, of them starring. Philip Duff, and um, you know, I, I love having him on the show because we don't even have to talk at all. No, he, he just takes. The, it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes, he does. but, but uh, you know,
3: the, the and gab, my boy. Yeah, he's
1: he's very good. At I was fortunate enough to have dinner with him out here in uh, Marin County, California, right. when uh, he was out judging. Uh, he and Elaine, uh, they were out here judging a uh, Spurs competition. So, um, but. But you know, I just want to touch on the uh, the beefsteak thing. You know, we did we hosted one at Frank uh, like in the backyard of Frankie's like god twelve years ago or something like that. And uh mm-hmm. and it was so much fun. And you know, you're wearing like you're basically dressed like a, a, an in and out employee, uh, but you're like doing yeah. this it's yeah. like see, like this old school kind of fancy, like but it, there's like this kind of like raw cannibalism to it. Like it's 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 like a real high, low, left, right. Like, I don't, it's, whatever it is, it's crazy. And, uh, it's just, it's like, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, like it's one of those experiences that like makes you really appreciate fine cutlery, <laughs> especially when you're like ripping meat <laughs> apart with your hands and your teeth. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun to do. So I'm glad to get to do that. That's really yeah. cool. Um, we'll have to have you back on the show and talk about that as well.
3: Yeah, we should. In fact, he, he was there, uh, of course, uh, hosting the room and it was really great. Um, and then, you know, uh, Amory Margo wrapped up its two-week residency, uh, the Good Neighbors Tour at Death & Co. in Denver, which was a blast. Uh, so Sunday, night was our last night of that. Uh, and speaking of Death & Co., here in the studio, we have with us um, the former bar manager at Death & Co. Denver, uh, Alex Jump. Alex, welcome to the virtual studio.
4: Thanks for having me, guys.
3: So stoked I ran into you in Denver and said, I want you on the show. So yeah. here you are.
4: <laughs> I'm glad I, uh, you know, ran up and, uh, and accosted you in the public market. Uh, to say yeah. how you doing? <laughs>
3: nice. Yeah. Again, though, you, even when you came up, you're like, I saw the glasses from across I the room. Did. These glasses, you know what? These glasses get a lot of mileage. Well,
4: oh, you know, you've got to know, right? Like, you know, you know that they do.
3: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're the bait. They're they're the
1: shiny bit of bait that I put out there for people <laughs> to glom on to. They're your your bioluminescent uh, bioluminescence, basically. <laughs> they are bright, you know.
3: Yeah, they are pretty bright uh yeah so super stoked to run into you haven't seen you in a while of course uh again i feel like that's what i keep saying to everybody i see as the pandemic you know wanes um but really excited to see you for just that brief moment and then i got to see you another time you were hanging out doing some r&d in the death and co space uh with uh, uh who was it your evan right
4: yeah evan well yeah we were um evan is a bartender at death and co he's amazing um and he just did his first bartending competition. He was in the Luz Dao Solera standouts. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, me and Jake, the current uh, head bartender at Death Denver, we uh, went in to help him get prepared and kind of give him a taste of maybe what a presentation for a cocktail competition is like. So He's yeah. never done one um, and kind of talk through talk through what he was gonna do. And he uh he placed second. He did he got runner up uh this That's great and so so proud of him.
1: And what a cool uh category to like for your first cocktail competition, know, right? like uh, a sherry <laughs> competition. Wow.
4: I know my first my first bartending competition was um Steva Casey, she used to do these bartending competitions in Birmingham that were like sponsored by um just like the brands that normally never do competitions and so it was Malibu um it was a Malibu bars hitting competition um and the rule the, I don't remember all the rules but one of the rules was that something had to be on fire
3: yeah I was <laughs> I, I, I I was at that event I went to that event you were <laughs> yeah absolutely Rosser Lomax was in it I remember yeah, uh, you were and- in it um <laughs> Yeah, but
4: Scott Steerwalt was in it.
3: Steerwalt won
1: it, I think. Yeah, right?
4: yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that man was was uh made for the stage
1: yeah on a mission so yeah. i mean um, they typically do a lot of flare competitions right because uh, like malibu is like well first of all it's a plastic wrap bottle so even if you drop it it won't shatter everywhere um, but <laughs> <laughs> so this was like this was like a straight up cocktail competition i
3: feel like you've tested that theory yeah.
1: Right? oh yeah definitely yeah, so it, was, uh,
4: it was called the malibu meltdown yeah um, uh, that was the name i was
3: trying to think of a name yeah. yes.
4: but she's done a bunch she did like a Midori one one year she did uh like um fireball one year um oh, yeah. and it was like it was like not really sponsored by the brand um i think maybe it was just like not even sponsored by the brand at all she may not have not even asked permission i can't remember <laughs> yeah,
3: right. i think all these things were just an excuse to get together with Steva and have a party and
4: 100 uh, percent.
3: i mean i flew down just for that so. <laughs>
4: steve if you're listening to this please start doing them again
3: yeah yeah where, where are these things gone? did the pandemic take them away maybe they need to be resurrected
4: i agree Yeah. but yeah, Sherry Um, would have been a much more classy um, first competition.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I'm Uh, trying to think of what my first one was. Jesus. I think it was like 42 Below Vodka or something Um, or something like that. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Um, But yeah, I mean, God, I can't even imagine being like new to the industry, uh, having some of the most incredible mentors uh, kind of like taking you under the wing. Um, but then also your first competition is sherry how cool is that but also shows you how like far we've got like gotten through uh you know where we're at in in the industry today you know and with uh, with our cocktails and with the ingredients that we get to use and they're just like kind of standard like if I would have had like all these different sherry when I started bartending I would probably be a little bit intimidated honestly because it's it's a whole deep dive when you get into sherry and and just fortified wines in general but like it must be, you know, I think about it a lot. Like if i would gotten into uh, bartending just right now today, I, I'd probably be, I'd be completely lost to be honest. So kudos to him.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Sherry though, it's a good segue, I think. Um, Cause it's a bit on the low, low ABV side. Uh, Alex, your focus has moved from, you know, being the bar manager, you know, the story, Death & Co Denver location to now operating, um, uh f o h right which is
4: focus on house yeah, but everyone wants to stay front of house yeah
3: <laughs> I, I was stumbling myself even though it's right yeah. in front of me, I was looking at it and i'm i'm yeah. trying to yeah you you want to stay front of house well we did it on oh, yeah yes, yeah. i love it it you know it generates um, instant conversation at least
4: yeah yeah um yeah my my life has shifted a bit to the uh the low a b v spectrum of uh, of the industry um it's been a a pretty interesting uh last six months or so moving out from working behind the bar. But uh focus on health actually, I mean we've been a we've been a company since March uh or yeah, March of 2020.
3: Um Yeah, I wonder what happened right about that time that might make yeah. us not be aware <laughs> yeah. that you <we> exist yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh
4: to you know, to be fair, it was, uh you fair. know, it, it was not re- reactionary per se, um, to to COVID, but uh certainly launched at the right time and, uh, gave us, gave me and LP, my business partner, a lot of, um, time and opportunity to, uh, scream out onto the internet about what we were passionate about. Um, and I think that really helped us in, uh, being, I don't know, recognized or heard, uh, which was great.
3: Yeah. LP who's Lauren Paylor, she's been on the show in the past. And of course she, she took, uh, the, the first, uh, coveted drink master's uh, award from the new show that's on on, uh, television. Um, Yeah. How did the two of you hook up? Because she doesn't, she lives in DC. You're living in Denver. How did this all come together?
4: Yeah. She, uh, she and I have known each other for a while. You know how the industry goes. It's just like, Oh, well, you know, we're acquaintances. We've been like in the same circles. We actually um, we were both brand ambassadors for Belle Mead bourbon with in 2017. So it was, Mm the year that I moved to Denver um, and they launched like a little brand ambassador program uh, and it was me and LP and Carly uh, Hanson uh, used to be Gaskin um, and some other cool people. Um, So that's how I think LP and I really got to know each other and then Mm -hmm. just stayed in touch um, and had, yeah, like I said, just been acquaintances and I kind of, I came up with focus on health for the most imaginative bartender competition. So I'd been posting about it online and kind of created this persona for the brand as I was pitching it to the judges for MIB. Mm -hmm. And when I got home to Denver after the competition, um, I hadn't won, but I, but I actually did, I did place and I won the part that was like the pitch for the brand, but I didn't win overall, Valentino won. So I didn't get the grant money to pursue like making the brand into a real business. So, uh, I was, yeah, just sitting in my car one day, uh, getting ready to go into the bar and LP asked if I had a second to chat. So she called me and she was like, well, I was watching what you were doing with MI with MIB with Focus on Health. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to do with this company? And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I have to like go work service tonight. I haven't thought about it. You right. know, I can't, I can't fathom I'll have the time to do anything with it. And, uh, she'd been through her own, you know, experiences in the industry and, um, through her own kind of personal, you know, experience of refocusing on her health and well being and, um, uh, you know, asked if I wanted to launch FOH as a company together. And I said, yeah, for sure. And she was actually supposed to fly to Denver so we could like sit down in a room and be like, okay, like, what are our values? Like, do we align? Um, Does this make sense? And then of course, you know, like weeks before uh, her flight, it was like, oh, I don't know if you're going to make this. I don't know if you're going to make this trip. You know, we might have to postpone. And then of course we were just like, well, fuck it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love what I love about this. Basically, what you're telling me here is the MIB, most imaginative bartender from, uh, um, it's Bombay, right?
4: Yeah, Bombay um, okay.
3: So they, uh, part of, I didn't realize that this was part of the competition is to sort of uh, pitch a a potential company. Is that, is that how I'm reading this right?
4: So yes and no, it doesn't have to be a company. So the the thing that is really cool about MIB and they just wrapped up their last, the competition like just a few weeks ago. And it was the first time they did it again since my year, which was, uh, 20, like early 2020, um, Mm -hmm. But the they've changed the focus. It used to not be like this, and and now they've they're working with tales of the cocktail. So there's a grant portion of the competition, and what they ask you in your initial entry is um, what drives you creatively aside from bartending. Mm-hmm. And it was like that caveat of like, listen, like everyone can, like anyone can make a good cocktail. Like if you're here, you clearly can make a good cocktail. Um, but we want to know like, what makes you unique? What makes you, you outside of bartending? Um, and I actually, um, I almost didn't enter into the competition because I didn't feel like I had an answer to that question. Um, I just like, did a little bit of like looking inside of myself. And I realized that, you know, in the, at that point in time, it would have been like, I'd been bartending for, I don't know, like seven, almost eight years. Um, I had like completely lost any, like any personality trait that wasn't like Alex, the bartender. Um,
3: Right. I think this is common. Uh, Yeah.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And it was like you know, it was like I couldn't even say I had like read a book that like wasn't bartending related in right. probably like <laughs> five years. Like as embarrassing as that is, so yeah. um, I almost didn't enter. And a, a handful of my friends were like, "Listen, like you really, you really should enter." And so, um, you know, I had I had in the years past like been pretty vocal on social media about like my own experiences with mental health, and I tried to be like pretty honest about like you know, it's not all like sunshine and roses just cause I'm like managing this like world renowned bar. Like my life isn't perfect. And like, you know, sometimes it's great, but like today I went to therapy or, you know, like whatever. I just, I just tried to be as honest as possible on social media. And I definitely had found that there was like a community of people that I felt like wanted to hear that or reciprocated it or like had messaged me being like, listen, I really appreciate you. Just like, talking about what you're going through because it makes me feel not alone or whatever. And so, yeah, I really kind of took that as like an, you know, like, like you guys said, like, it's really, it's pretty common for people to lose themselves to their career. Um, and we work in a really cool one, like everyone likes to eat and drink, like you have something in common with, like everyone in the world. Right, yeah. um, and, you know, like you can, there's nowhere you can go and not still go to bars and restaurants, right? So yeah, you just kind of.
1: I plan my vacations around them.
4: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like,
1: cool, but, but that's not just me working in the industry. That's like, I think a lot of people plan. You know, like uh, based on what kind of food they like and what kind well, of wine, it, eat, you know.
4: Yeah. yeah, and so it's like, yeah, you like wake up years later, like, oh my god, yeah, like how? <laughs> when was the last time I read a book? When was the last time I tried a new hobby or like whatever? So yeah, I just ended up make. I just decided like, I'm going to turn this into a creative outlet. So uh, yeah, when I entered MIB, I, uh, I just said, you know, what's the point of me, of me being here? Um, and, you know, a- asserting that I'm the best at what I do. Uh, what's the point of me competing and being the best if it's going to kill me? Um, yeah. And, you know, it was, It was around that time that rocky passed and Mm -hmm. um not to like give up my my youth to show how young i am but like when i first started bartending um was like 2012 or so so it was like just like through my time in the industry i really had i saw a lot of like beloved mentors in the industry pass away yeah. Um, and I was really tired of, um, of, I don't know, there just being this circular, circular thing of like, oh my gosh, like we didn't, we didn't know they were struggling, we didn't know they needed help, we didn't know that they were sick, you know, we didn't, we didn't know, um, and then, you know, kind of just like nothing else happening, no one, nothing else being talked about, right? Um, no solutions being looked for, nobody kind of questioning. Well, what is it about this industry that is causing people to not be able to take care of themselves? Um, How could we change the industry to make it so that people could have like lifelong healthy careers in this industry? Um, Nobody kind of like asking those hard questions. So anyway, I'm sorry, I've been rambling anyway. Uh, that's so that, that's, that's how
3: radio works. That's how radio works. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's like particularly hard because we don't have the cameras on, so I can't tell if you guys are sitting there like eye rolling, like "Oh my God, shut up." <laughs>
3: no, no.
4: Um, not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, I so I decided to take MIB as an opportunity to be on stage and say, like, "Hey, this is fucked up, and we need to be talking about it, and we need to start working to making towards making changes so that you know our the people we love, the mentors in this industry, don't keep dying um you know and it's obviously not that simple like you can't just be like oh well you know anyway i'm not trying to to minimize
3: no of course not
4: like things like that but
3: well let's um, let's talk a little bit about them since since we're right at this precipice let's talk a little bit about like what is um focus on health doing to curve these sort of uh issues
4: that's a good question so we up until this year we've mostly existed online and a lot of the work that we've done has been like in collaboration with brands, um, like early in COVID and in 2020, we spent a lot of time online, like trying to just give, um, people the time and the, and the ability to, to share their knowledge. So that was a lot on social media. It was like a lot of hosting conversations with people. And a big thing for us is we, recognize that we're not subject matter experts in a lot of these topics. Like we're not licensed clinical counselors. We're not mental health professionals. Like we're not, you know, personal trainers. We're not dieticians. So we spend a lot of time trying to align ourselves with people who are so that they can start providing that information to our community. Um, So that's what we did for like all of 20 and 21 was just online content. Uh, creation and then in 2022 we started you know everyone started doing in person events again and so we got to be present at Tales of the Cocktail and um, at Portland Cocktail Week just providing some education and uh, and opportunities to be together so we have a small team of people and it's me and LP and then we have Edie Burns um, who works in New York and has a mess and, uh, she does event work for us and is amazing. And then we have Josh Gandy who lives in Columbus, Ohio, and he is a sober industry professional. So he's actually launched a podcast. He's had it for, oh my gosh, like three years now, uh, called No Proof, um, where he interviews other people that exist within the sobriety space in the food and beverage industry. Um, so, there's a lot of just like trying to help share people's stories and and let people share their experiences because I think there's a lot of power in um in just showing people that they're not alone, you know like sure. you know making people feel comfortable like if they want to explore sobriety in the industry, then like you know they're not the only ones and they're not weird for wanting to and like you can go to the no proof podcast and listen to of uh, so many people tell their stories about sobriety in the industry. Uh um, yeah, of course.
3: I mean, you know, it even comes to mind immediately. Uh Jack McGarry, uh yeah, Dowerman, uh famously Sam Malone. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are plenty of plenty of places to be in, in and behind a bar and not not have a drink, you know?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. So um there's definitely a lot of that, a lot of just sharing people's stories. Um but now in, in 2023 we're actually refocusing our uh our company mission and what we're trying to do. So we are, you know, without, without like sharing too too much, um, because, you know, it's obviously not set in stone, but we're hoping to move into an area where we can uh, work a little bit more in the public health space within our industry. So um, we've actually applied, we put in a letter of intent for the Tales of the Cocktail grant. um, And we're hoping to collaborate with the uh, National Harm Reduction Coalition to develop like a food and beverage restaurant industry specific harm reduction and overdose prevention uh, training mm. that we can provide. Um, that's a topic that's really important to me, uh, harm reduction.
3: yeah.
4: Um, and then from there, we're going to hopefully develop more training programs like that, you know, centered around like exercise psychology and nutrition and um we'll work with healthy poor laura louise green to do mental health education and and things like that
3: i love it um and and i'm very happy that you're out there doing this good work um let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors but then i want to come back alex and talk to you about dim light hospitality and making that big leap without uh without a net leaving the bar and starting your own thing so we'll be right back with alex jump stay tuned
2: Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com.
1: And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in our studio today, we have Alex Schump coming in from Denver, Colorado, which is one of my favorite cities in the United States. Yeah. Um I've got a special, I actually have some special connection with it. My first motorcycle wreck uh, of the two I've had was in Denver. And people think I'm crazy when I say that, but, you know, they were, it it was a life changing moment for me that really like opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, and it wasn't an accident of of my fault. It was, I got hit by someone else. Um, And yeah. And you know, as I'm sitting there like in the emergency room, Getting stitched up and uh you know the cops are there and they're like, they're like, so what happened? And like one of the things they asked, Were you drinking? And I was like, No. It's like, this is what I do to keep myself <laughs> from drinking. Uh, you know, a right. lot of times. So I was kind of thinking about what you were saying in the first half of the show and like ways to kind of get yourself back in your hobbies uh that you had like and this is before I got into the industry too. Um, and I know that you ride motorcycles too, correct?
4: I do, yeah. I actually learned to ride May of twenty twenty.
1: Oh, fresh! You're fresh.
3: Yeah, I got my first motorcycle for my eighth Christmas.
4: Oh my
1: god! (laughs) Yeah, but Uh, yeah, it's to me, it's something I do because I don't. I'm like drinking and driving is the dumbest thing in the world, especially if you want to be in this industry, as we're talking about before. There's a lot of right. ways that you can be in this industry without necessarily being behind the bar right working on you know focus on health uh consulting writing radio you know there's a lot of things that you can do uh that are kind of just uh, they are directly associated with and influenced by and and collaborative with the industry, but you don't necessarily you know, but p r for instance you know there's a bunch sure. of different things, but to me, what we were talking about before. Also about, you know, people who get into the industry, a lot of times, you know, historically, it's been like if you're a musician or actor or artist, or if you're in college, you know, and you're going through school and you need something to make money, it's a really, it's a really great way to do it. Then people get so caught up in it uh, because it's really awesome and the networking uh, possibilities are great, but I like the idea of kind of focusing back on, you know, the the hobbies that you maybe forgot that you had or maybe hobbies that you didn't realize you, you wanted to have. in in the first place, uh, I think the co- COVID definitely helped us with that a lot. You know, we all, we all made our first, a lot of us made our first loaves of banana bread, uh, you, know, during <laughs> COVID, you know, you know, well, and,
4: yeah. and <laughs> well, like, sometimes those hobbies can actually like turn into like new passions that you didn't expect, um, yeah. which is like pretty cool too. I mean, I, I think that like, like what focused on health has become has been definitely like a long road for me. It wasn't something that it definitely was There never, never like a crystal clear, like, Oh, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and it, and it probably started, you know, like it started as the fact that like, you know, I took my career as a bartender really seriously. And so like in February of February of 2019, I went, um, I went to at uh, Tulsa to do a pop-up um, with Jared from who was bartending uh, at the New York death and co um, at the time uh, he and I went to Tulsa and we did a, a two day pop-up. And on the first day we get behind the bar, and, you know, we're like getting ready to open the doors and it's going to be crazy and whatever. And so, you know, we're all like, Oh, well, like let's have a daiquiri shot. So we pour them and Jared's like, no, I'm good. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, weird. And you know, like at that point in time, like I had, like, I really wasn't drinking that much behind the bar, but I'd maybe have like a shot of dry vermouth or something if somebody wanted to have a shot with me. um, But, you know, at pop-ups, it was like a little different, you know, like you like to let your hair down and have fun. So the next morning he and I, like I got up and I went to yoga and then he and I were like walking, have breakfast. We were just like talking about our careers and everything. And he just said something to me that like really stuck. And it it really stuck with me and and changed my perspective on, on my career. And, you know, we were talking about how he didn't have anything to drink behind the bar. And he was like, listen, like, I want to be like, I'm here to be the best. Like I want to be one of the best bartenders. And like, how am I going to do that if I'm drinking behind the bar and that like, I, re- I really heard that it was, I ne- I think I needed to hear it. And it changed a lot of things for me. So from then on, I like, I just stopped drinking behind the bar and pretty much at work in general, unless it was like, you know, when you're doing your manager closing duties and having a wine or whatever. But um, yeah, I just quit drinking behind the bar. And I really tried to like set that example for my staff. Um, and, in Denver, um, and I feel like that actually did make a difference for a, a while, uh, especially when I was working behind the bar with them. Uh, so you know, then that, then that became, well, I'm not, I like, well, first of all, like management is both a blessing and a curse, and so it's like yeah. you're probably not going out drinking with the staff after work because, first of all, you're like recounting the money because it's four dollars off or whatever at four in the morning.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: Uh, but uh, you know, like you kind of what like you are gifted for better or worse with this like distinction between you and the staff ideally you know if you're going to be an effective manager um and but you know so then it was like well I'm not drinking at work anymore I'm not going out with the staff I'm gonna get up and go to the gym uh you know and then it was like a few years later it was like oh I recognize that if I don't go to the gym then I'm not a very happy person so like I know I need to mm-hmm. uh and then that became like I bet a lot of other people would probably feel that way too if they gave themselves the chance. Um, and then, you know, and then that eventually became this idea for focus on health. And then it still took, you know, two and a half years of focus on health existing for me to be like, Oh, maybe I could actually like leave my job and be able to put all of my effort into focus on health. Um, but it took a really long time for me to, um, be okay with that decision and be confident that I would be able to make money and pay my rent and feed myself and, um, stay relevant. Um, because that's like, you know, weird fucked up thing with this industry too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wanting to feel relevant. And I spent a lot of hours talking to my therapist about that. (laughs) Um, I'll just, you know, no shame. Uh, but yeah, it, it took a lot of time to realize that that could be something that I could do. So yeah, you know, in short, sometimes your hobbies or things you devote time to outside of work uh can inadvertently become something you want to, you know, turn into work. And that's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a I'm a great I don't know if I'm great. I'm an example of that, you know. I had I had a, a passing interest in well, I don't there know about this go. example, but I had a, I had a passing interest in in bitters that became uh uh, you know, uh, more of a, uh, again, sort of a hobby uh, that then suddenly became an obsession that then mm. became, uh, you know, a, a job and has then become a career. You know, right. um, that was just me being like, what what are these little bottles? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. and it blossomed into that. I want to talk to you, though, a little bit about your other um, uh, endeavor, Dim Light Hospitality, which, uh, by the way, which came first, uh, Focus on Health or Dim Light? Or do they arrive together?
4: Uh, Focus on health. Yeah. Uh, Dim lights. You know, I I really I think I so I wanted to get into consulting work and I had had like opportunities here and there that I'd like put in bids like I would pitched for consulting work, but I'd never gotten any Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, like I was pretty firm and like this is my price and, you know, like wasn't hired, which I have no regrets about. Um, so yeah, I'd like, I'd wanted to get into consulting and I felt for me, like it's focus on health is, is the business that I see myself doing long-term, but consulting work is the way that I feel like I can finance doing focus on health until focus on health is like a profitable business, you know? So it was like, I know I'm good. I know I'm good at writing cocktails. Like I know I'm good at training staff. I know I'm Mm -hmm. good at picking out glassware and writing, uh, opening and closing manuals and whatever, I already know I can do that. Um, so why not, you know, why not try to do that plus focus on health, um, and, and make a go of it. So, uh, yeah, focus on health came first and then, uh, dim lights, uh, kind of was the impotence for me being able to leave my job.
3: And you've, I assume you landed a few jobs prior to pulling the trigger to leave your Position at at Death and Go, right?
4: Nope.
3: <laughs> no, I just built a beautiful website and said, "Fuck it, I'm jumping."
4: Yeah, I'm yeah. Out to
3: jump, I, I'm gonna jump.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, no, yeah. I so, you know, I I definitely wanted I wanted to announce that I was doing consulting work before leaving my job. I wanted to have works I wanted to have work secured because I thought that that would make me feel like you know, then I would, I wanted to dip my toe in first so that I could like be confident that there would be work for me. Um, and it just didn't shake out that way. I also like, you know, I really took advantage of like being gainfully unemployed when I, when I quit my job. So like I spent some time, um, you know, overseas. I actually, when you texted me the other day, so there, it was like the text message above was from when I was in Portugal and you were, I don't know, I think you were like, Hey, congrats on quitting your job or whatever. And I was like, thanks. I'm at the pool in Portugal. Um yeah, that's right. You you were. yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I really took some time off. And so when I got back, then I built my website and kind of started pushing it. And so, um, yeah I didn't have work secured i you know like obviously like we we had been working with doing stuff with f o h and we were kind of trying to figure out how to get more stuff going with that and um but a lot of stuff kind of fell in place after I quit my job. I kind of just had to trust uh trust the universe that it would work out so funny enough, so <clears throat> they just we just got to announce um a couple of weeks ago that um were that myself, Lauren Paler and um, Charles Jolie are all part of the Williams Sonoma Chefs Collective uh, for this year, um, which is super cool. But like weirdly enough, um, in the weird ways that the universe works, um, on my last day at Death and Co, um, we like you know wrapped up the day. I wasn't there very late. Um, I kind of I did like an admin shift and. Um, you know, hung out with the staff for a little bit. And then I was driving home and it was kind of like, you know, one of those things where I was like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, oh my God, what am I, how am I going to survive? And then I got this phone call from uh, Kristen with Williams-Sonoma, literally on my drive home from my last day at work. And she asked me if I wanted to be part of the chef's collective. And I was like, whoa, like, all right. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, things are going to, like, you know, you just need to trust that it's Mm going to work out. Obviously, you can't just be like, I'm going to quit my job and and be like, I trust you, universe, Um, (laughs) and, like, wait Mm -hmm. for shit to come your way. But it was just, like, it was just a cool moment um, to be like, oh, no, like, there's stuff out there. Like, you just need to be, like, looking for it and and putting your name out there, so.
1: And
3: receptive to it when it comes, you know?
4: Totally, yeah.
1: I know that one of the things you wanted to talk about, uh, which – Actually, it's kind of perfect time for this. You wanted to talk about uh, work-life balance, and I, but I always say it's life-work balance because life should come first. Um, mm. How has that been in this transition into your your own business? Have you been able um, to like get in touch with your like the things that you like to do outside of the bar uh, world?
4: Yeah, maybe a little bit too much it's definitely been hard. It's like a new, it's learning a new way of operating because I don't have a place I have to go to. Um, right. It's normally, you know, like my office in my house where I'm sitting right now um, and there's, you know, cute dogs in my house that like want to go on walks and uh, they you know, in the summer there's motorcycle rides, um, you know, life. Um, I mean, I, I quit my job because I, I needed a little bit more time to just have my life. Um, yeah. And, um, and so I, you know, I decided like, yeah, let's, let's see if I can work for myself and make it happen. Like, you know, and it it actually took a little bit of like accepting like that. It's not selfish of me to want to do that, you know, because there's, you know, we all, we all have that hospitality thing in us where we're very committed to our team and our employees and our bosses. And so, you know, I had a, a, a little bit of like, listen, like you're, you're actually allowed to be selfish and want to do that if that's what you want to do. Um, so yeah, I, in, at first it was really hard to kind of be strict with myself. And now it's a little bit of the opposite where, you know, like, I just need to, I'm trying to learn how to not overschedule my days and, um, you know, spread shit out. Um, but also like, you know, my parents live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it's two hours from Nashville. And a couple of weeks ago, they were like, Hey, we, you know, we got a box at the predators. Do you guys want to come to Nashville for the weekend? And we were like, yeah because we can you know like absolutely um so there's there's that flexibility too which is what I really wanted and so I've been really really appreciative and not taking for granted
1: totally I I think there's a there's a huge difference between uh it well maybe not huge but there's there is a difference between doing something for a living and doing something for living you know or living to do the thing you know when Dave Wondrich one time when he was guest bartending at grand army he was like it was after the show this, but you know this pre-pandemic mm-hmm. we would have guests on the show in the studio at robertas and bushwick and then we would have like a happy hour where the guests would come and like if say they're an author they would sign books you know if they were a bar owner they would maybe jump behind the bar or if it was a brand they would we would do a, a special feature and like you know like things like that it always like tied back and he's like damon he's like I'm going to do this. He's like, I'm going to get behind the bar and I'm going to make drinks because I want to. he's like, and I'm going to do it until I don't want to do it anymore because you can't make me. And he just laughed. (laughs) And that was the theme of the night. He was just like, yeah, Damon, I'm going to make some more drinks for a while, but I'm going to stop when I want to because you can't make me. And I was like, all right. I love that, man. (laughs) I love that man. And I love that comma man. Um, But yeah, it's like, you know, I think there's something to be said about this episode is like, don't let it overwhelm you. Uh, like, like let passion drive you and don't let, you know, like being your own boss, you know, and understanding how to do that and also taking care of yourself so you can do that. So, I mean, I think this is, this has been a really great episode having you on to talk about all this. I mean, like we've been talking a lot over the past couple of few years about like low and no ABV and like that work, that life work balance and, especially about health, uh, in the hospitality industry. And so this has been really great to have you on. Um,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say like, you know, I do feel really fortunate that I get to work for myself. Um, but I believe that it's possible for a lot of people. I think you just need to know what you're good at and you need to be willing to say that out loud. Like you have to promote yourself. And that is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, you know, but, right now, like the consulting work that I have, I've gotten through word of mouth. Um, you know, um, I've gotten because somebody said my name in a room where it needed to be said. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, but it's also like, you know, shamelessly going on LinkedIn and being like, I made a website, you know, which like, feel, you know, cringe, but (laughs) like, you know, being willing to be like, look, I did this and I'm doing this thing. And, you know, like even, When I was getting ready to, to leave my job, you know, my partner was like, you just need to say you're a consultant. And I had, a, I was like, but I'm not, I've never done any consulting work. And he was like, you just need to say that. And I was like, like, it was hard for me to like wrap my head around that because it's like, it's not lying. Like I'm fully qualified to do consulting work. Have I done it? No. Will I do it? hopefully um but you know it's, it's like absolutely
3: yes it's an absolutely totally. yes you will yeah. do it totally
4: you know so it's so it's like you just need to say you're a consultant like and consulting work will come and so um and the,
1: yeah the best part of that too is that in this industry this wonderful industry that we're in if you get if you land a consulting job and there's a piece of it that you don't know or un, unfamiliar with or unsure of you can lean on people in the industry and say hey have you ever built a spreadsheet for, uh, you know, like blah blah blah, or what? You know, whatever it might be, it's like there's yeah. you have a huge the one of the greatest support systems in, in the world, yeah. you know. And oh, so, yeah,
4: I, I wanted to share that. Like, I'm actually I'm part of like two different like groups of consulting people who like we all have our own specialties, and we're kind of like a we're like yeah, just like a little group. So, you know, if somebody comes to this one person and is like, "Hey, I want to open a bar," it's like, "Well, there's." Me who does beverage, you know, somebody else who specializes in like culinary and somebody who specializes in, you know, operations and spreadsheets and you know, all of that. And so it's like, great, like, do you want all of us? Oh, you only want beverage? Here's Alex, you know. So like that's been really cool to connect with other people who have other specialties to like build a like stronger consultancy group too. So
1: incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I I'll tell you this, uh to kind of Kind of back up what uh what your partner said. Um I went on VistaPrint.com in like 2007. I had six, I had just moved to New York City. I didn't know shit. I mean, like, I like I I knew all the class, I knew a lot of the classics, you know, and like you know, I was just like, I had just started bartending like a year and a half before I moved from Oklahoma City to New York. And I I just went on vistaprint.com, made a very simple business card that said bartender consultant with my information on there. And I just went out like with, with what little money I had, I popped around to some of the places that I really liked. I would have a a quick drink or a bite or whatever, you know, I wouldn't like blow it up or anything because I didn't have the money to, but I would just like your presence is important. The visibility I think is kind of what you're to to kind of add on to what you're saying visibility is something and you know with Jared especially you know I was talking with him because he used to work he and I used to work together back in the day um, you know one thing about a lot of bartenders that it's a piece of information that we kind of talked about it's like people got to know where to find you you know like yeah. don't hop around to the next new uh, cocktail bar there's a lot of people especially in New York City every time something new opens, you know, they'll spend three months at this place and then go to another place for four months. And it's like, people don't know how to track you down. And that's not just for people to hire you as a consultant or, you know, it's, you got to build your crowd first of all, but then to hire you as a consultant, but then like if someone wants to write an article about a cocktail of yours, like then they can't find you, you know, press is like a really important part of backing up whatever you're going to do as a consultant, because people got to see the proof. Right. So right. I don't know, it's it's like, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of good information that has come from the show. Uh, I, you know, I can't wait to come back to Denver. I'll, I'll rent a Harley from like Eagle Rider and we can go hit yes. the road, but also uh, we get like the other Denver people, Sean Kenyon, I know rides. Um, yeah.
4: But, yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, we can sidebar later, but you know, we are, there's the ride details every uh, right? year. Exactly. You know, so
3: I've been envious of us. that so, every year since it's been going on.
1: Yeah, and we can talk shop then too. <laughs> but unfortunately we're out of time. But we've this has been a great full hour of uh of conversation with you, Alex, and it's really nice to catch up with you and see what you're doing now. Uh the website, uh, for everyone out there, it's dim lights, uh, apostrophe, dim lights, hospitality, as in like the song, dim lights, thick smoke yeah. and loud, loud music, I imagine. That's uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I play in a country <laughs> band. I'm very familiar with that one. Um <laughs> And then, uh, as far as uh, the, uh, if the focus on health, it's f o health dot org, and yeah. yeah, and Alex Jump, uh, it's a x l jump, like Axel Jump, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, on social <laughs> handles. So yeah, that's where you can find her. Um, I'm sure that Alex would love to chat with anyone who uh, is looking for any of this information or needs to uh, kind of find that balance in their lives and uh, in maybe in a new direction. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. This yeah, This has
4: been a really great way to start my morning.
1: Yeah. So great to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you. So
3: glad I ran into you. In Denver. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, you know, that's how it works. That's how this works. You know, that's just another that testament to the power of this industry and the friendships. So, all right, well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Uh, check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. And until next week, y'all, cheers. Cheers, everybody. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.